After the broom, there came a second, smaller group of younger princes, this time riding on horseback, and among them, in the very centre, rode the groom, Mirza Jawan Bakht, only eleven years old. Immediately behind the prince swayed the elephant on which rode the emperor himself, sitting in his golden howdah and decked out, despite the sweltering night heat, in his state robes and jewels, and attended by his personal bearer, holding a peacock fan. The rest of the court followed behind on foot, a great snaking queue stretching back through Chattachauk, the fort bazaar, to the very centre of the fort. One person missing from the wedding procession was the woman who had done more than anything else to bring the marriage about. For months, Zafar's favourite wife, Zinat Mahal, had been preparing for this day. In Mughal tradition, women did not accompany the barat, or marriage procession, taking the groom to his marriage, not even mothers and queens. But every detail of the procession had been planned by her. For Mirza Jawan Bakht was Zinat Mahal's only son, and her one ambition was to see Jawan Bakht, Zafar's fifteenth son, placed on the throne at the death of his father. The wedding of Mirza Jawan Bakht was of a scale unparalleled in Delhi in living memory, eclipsing the weddings of all Jawan Bakht's elder brothers. The conspicuously wealthy streets through which the procession passed were still very much a Mughal creation. In 1852, despite 150 years of decline and political reversals, Delhi was once again the largest pre-colonial city in India, a position it had recently regained from Lucknow, and as the Dar al-Mulk, the seat of the Mughal, was the epitome of the elegant Mughal metropolis. In this beautiful city, wrote the poet Mir, the streets are not mere streets, they are like the album of a painter. Delhi's reputation as a centre of learning, culture and spirituality had rarely been higher, even as its political fortunes had waned. If there was one thing in which the town was most confident, it was in the beauty and elegance of its language. After all, Urdu was born in Delhi. In Delhi, poetry was discussed in every house, for the emperor himself was a poet and a connoisseur of poetry, and the language of the exalted fort was the essence of refinement. This intoxication with the elegance of Delhi's language was common to all classes. Poetry in particular was an obsession not just of the elite, but also to a remarkable extent of the ordinary people. The Garden of Poetry, a collection of Urdu verse published two years before Mirza Jawan Bakht's wedding, contains no fewer than 540 poets from Delhi, who range from the emperor and 50 members of his family to a poor water-seller in Chandni Chauk, a merchant in Punjabi Katra, Farazu, an elderly German-Jewish mercenary, a young wrestler, a courtesan, and a barber. So although Walidad Khan had laid on the best dancers in Delhi for the marriage ceremony that night, what was discussed most eagerly was not so much the feasting or the fireworks, so much as the marriage odes recited by the poet laureate Zok and his rival Mirza Nausha, now more widely known by his pen name Galib. The Mughals had always regarded processions as important public statements of their authority. But it had been well over a century since the Mughals had been able to process anywhere outside the environs of Delhi. Zafar's real authority existed only within the walls of the Red Fort. Even there it was in some ways circumscribed, 
for the British resident, Sir Thomas Metcalfe, kept a friendly but nonetheless firm eye on Zaffer's daily life, and frequently forbade him from exercising rights that the Emperor regarded as sacrosanct. No nobleman from outside Delhi, for example, could enter the Red Fort without Metcalfe's permission. Zaffer could not present gems from the crown jewels, even to his own family members, without first informing the resident. When, on the day after Jawan Bak's wedding, Raja Gulab Singh of Kolesor paid a visit to the court, presenting a nazar, or offering a fealty, of a horse and seven gold mohurs, in return for which Zaffer gave him a hilat, a symbolic robe, Metcalfe promptly made the Raja return it. In the eyes of the resident, the Raja was a British subject, and had no business publicly offering his fealty to a foreign ruler. How far Zaffer felt the humiliation of this is evident in his verse, into which he learnt to sublimate his feelings of profound frustration and imprisonment.